Welcome to New Catholic Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finch. Excited about what God is showing us. Uh, how many of you like a good old mystery? Yeah. How many of you like it when it says to be continued? Well, you said you like a mystery. You know, here's the thing. We want a mystery we can figure out. Well, guess what? If it's a mystery you can figure out, it's not a mystery. So let me tell you what we guys tend to do. We guys tend to say, well, I'm not going to not understand it, so I'll just make up something. Right? How many of you know that some of you get... Wives, don't ask your husband what you think that is, because he'll tell you. Right? Most of us, let me just say this. We don't really like mystery. We want answers. And sometimes when you can't figure out the mystery, a lot of times we'll come up with our own answers and our own explanations. So much to the point that when the real answer comes along, we'll think our answer is better. And we'll fight to defend what we think. The whole idea behind mystery is you couldn't know it apart from revelation. In the New Testament, it's called mysterion. It's a truth which human intellect could never discover, but now has been made known by divine revelation. It's not that it was just hidden, but it was hidden for a time. It's not something man would have ever thought of. It's truth which must be revealed by God. And here's the thing, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, (coughs) for they are foolishness to him, (coughs) Excuse me. nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But Jesus gave his disciples and us, I believe, a promise. They asked him, why do you keep talking to us in parables, which was their way of saying, why do you keep talking to us in mysteries? And Jesus said, because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. God wants to reveal to you truth that you can know no other way but by divine revelation. Folks, listen. The world can't and hasn't figured it out what God is up to. Today, we want to look at the mystery of the Christ. The mystery of the Christ. 1 Timothy 3.16. I want you to turn there. You have it. We're going to start with it. We're going to end with it. But right there, just look at 1 Timothy 3.16. I want to show it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed on, believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. Christ. Who is the Christ? Now immediately most of us would say, well, that's Jesus. You do know that Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? Well, that's Daryl Feimster. Well, that's Jesus Christ. That's not his last name. The word Christ is the Greek expression of the Hebrew word for Messiah. It means chosen one, the anointed one. Jesus is the Christ. Christ is not just a name, but it's the very revelation of who he is. 
And the thing that I want to just kind of unfold for you this morning is, do we know Christ Jesus by history or by revelation? Jesus was asked, he asked his own disciples, who do men say, who are the people saying that I am? In Matthew 16, this 16, this is from the message, Simon Peter says, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus came back and said, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You, did, you didn't get the, that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. You didn't get it from books and teachings. That just kind of challenges me because, because most of us, our theology comes from books and from teachers. And I'm sorry to say, from preachers. When we think of Jesus, most of us think of history. What we've been taught. Jesus was a human being, lived 2,000 years ago, a Jew in Galilee with a name and a family and a person uh, who was in a way just like everybody else. And yet in another way, he was different from everybody else. And he lived and died he claimed to be the Son of God, come to seek and to save the, that which was lost. Jesus, Jesus. We, we have this historical, almost verbatim, talk about Jesus. But let me just say this to you straight up. Jesus was easily the most shattering, the most radical, and the truly revolutionary character that ever has appeared in human history. We've made Jesus almost generic. He is a name on our list of theology. We pray in His name. You see, from Genesis to Revelation, the Christ is revealed. In Genesis, the Christ was the seed of a woman who would bruise the head of Satan. Throughout the Old Testament, the Messiah, the Hebrew word for Christ was foretold to be the deliverer and the ruler of the world. But when Jesus came, and when he was really revealing himself as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, he wasn't what they expected. You see, they already had an explanation. They had an idea. Mankind had already come up with what the Christ was going to do. And when Jesus showed up and didn't fit that explanation, they said, kill him. Here's the thing. I wonder, does he still fit the explanation? So I want us to talk about the mystery of the Christ. Now, yes, I'm talking about Jesus, but I want you to understand, I'm talking about who he was revealed to be, not just who we think he is. Jesus was the Christ. And what does that mean? Here's the thing that they couldn't get. He was God. He is God. Not past tense, present tense. He is God. You see, for a Jew, that was not possible. That was blasphemous. They took up stones to throw at Jesus to kill him because he made himself a man out to be God.
They saw a Jewish man who had a family. But he was talking about being something altogether other. We know your fa- we know your mother and your brothers. Paul got the revelation of who Jesus was. In Colossians 1, 15, he says, He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him, and He's before all things, and in Him all things consist. Kind of got the idea that Paul saw Jesus as something different than just a man. He was God. He's God. A very familiar verse of Scripture, John 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Oswald Chambers, some of you know his devotion called My Utmost for His Highest. It's been read for years and years and years. Here's what he says. He says, Jesus Christ was born into this world, not from it. He didn't merge out of history He came into history from eternity. Jesus Christ is not the best human being the human race can boast of. He's a being for whom the human race can take no credit at all. He's not man becoming God, but God himself becoming man. Now, most of us have no problem because of the history we've been taught, because of the explanation we've been given. We, in our day, have, especially as Christians, have little, little problem with... In fact, we have an over-idea of Jesus being God. Here's what I mean. We think God, Jesus, could do what He could do because He was God. There's another side of this, the Christ, the revelation of the Christ, the mystery of the Christ. Not only is He God, but He's man. Now, wait a minute. He's either God or He's man. No, He's God and He's man. That's the revelation. He was born like no other human. Born of a virgin. He didn't have Adam as a father. He was born from above. Jesus was not conceived by a man. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. God used the egg of a woman, but the seed, the sperma, was of God. Most of us have more difficulty with Jesus being fully man than we do with Him being fully God. You see, we believe that He was the God-man, and our emphasis is on God, you know. I mean, Jesus did what he did because he was God. This kind of gives us an excuse, doesn't it? Well, that's because Jesus was God. And I'm not. Duh. What I want you to know is that Jesus himself takes your excuse away. Jesus is man. Fully man. 1 Corinthians 15, 47 says, Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. We're talking about John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Yeah, but He was God. No, this is what it's saying. He was man. Philippians 2 says it probably who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be held on to, to be grasped, 
to be maintained. But he emptied himself. He didn't become less than God, but he emptied himself. He chose taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. He chose to be man. Most of us don't really have the revelation of Jesus was fully God and fully man. 100% God and 100% man. Now listen to me. Never less than God, but never less than man. That's the part that we don't... See, we know Jesus lived a life that was perfection, but you see, He was God. No, He had emptied Himself and took on the bond slave, which meant that He chose to be absolutely dependent and obedient to the Father every moment of every day of the rest of all of His 33 years. He emptied Himself not of of his humanity, he emptied himself of his right to be holding on to his deity and to be self-existent and self-expressive and self-motivated. The fullness of God dwelt in him. He could say, I and the Father are one, John 10, 30. One in essential relational being, not just one in purpose and objective. He was one with the Father. And he could claim to be the I am, who declared himself the I am that I am in Moses' time. But at the same time, he was fully and perfectly human. He didn't just appear to be a man. He wasn't some sort of hybrid being. But the man God intended all men to be in union and dependence upon God. And I made up a word because I couldn't find one. Jesus is not a human divinized. In other words, the others say, He's also not deity humanized. He is fully God and fully man. Some of you are looking at me kind of strange. It's a mystery. What I'm praying for is revelation. He was God and man at the same time the God-man. The question is, why? Give you three things. Number one, Jesus was born to live life God intended every man to live. 1 Corinthians 15, 47 talked about him being the last Adam, the last second man. Jesus lived the life God intended every man to live. Jesus became a real man living real life, God's life. For 33 years, Jesus lived in dependence upon the life of the Father. An amazing verse is John 5, 19. 
It says, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, or truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. That literally means that Jesus was saying, the Son of Man, Jesus, that I can do nothing out of my own being. But what I see the Father doing, the Son does in like manner. If you ask Jesus, who did the miracle? He wouldn't raise his hand and say, I did, though he did. He would say, the Father does the works through me. Jesus was living the life God always intended for every man and mankind to live by living union and independence with His Spirit in us, living through us. Jesus didn't come to be an ideal specimen of incarnated humanity so He could be our example. He came to live out the perfect life of God in man. Listen, Jesus is a great example, but that's not why He came. Jesus lived the life God intended every man to live, but that's not just why He came. Jesus came to live the life He lived so He could die the death that only He could die. Let me say it a different way. Jesus lived the life God intended to die a death no other man could die. He came to live out the perfect life of God in man in order to die the death that would destroy the work of the devil. You've got to understand that when you see, when we hear death, we think stop breathing, heart stop beating, body lay down. That's when we think death, because we think death has to do with flesh. We think death has to do with our existence. I want you to know that death in the Bible talks about a separation from life, a separation from God, who is life. You can be dead and alive. It's not zombie either. In other words... There is, in fact, man apart from God is dead in trespasses is in. He's fully alive acting like the devil. Okay? So when we talk about death, the enemy, the Hebrews, tells us that the, that the devil had the authority or the power of death. He had the authority to require the justice that God had put in place. He had the authority to require the justice because man had sinned. The wages of sin is death. Jesus lived the life God intended so he could die a death that no other man could die. Hebrews 2.14, the New Living Translation. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Jesus did not have to die. You remember in John, Jesus said, The devil has nothing in me. We would say it this way, he, You don't have anything on me. The devil had absolutely nothing on Jesus. 
He wanted to, but he didn't. The whole point of the temptation was to get him so he could have something on him. To get him to act independently of God. And Jesus, his answer to the devil was, in fact, not himself. How did he answer the devil's temptation? With what? Turn these breads into stone. And he answered him with what? The Scripture with the Word of God. In other words, Jesus depended on the words of the Father even to answer the devil. He didn't depend on his own reasoning. Let me give you a hint. You really want to beat the devil? Don't do it on your own. Let God's Word. The truth will set you free. That's another sermon. Jesus didn't have to die just because he was a man. He chose, he consented, he volunteered, he submitted to death in our place. He laid down his life. It was not taken from him. Nobody killed Jesus. He laid it down. He said, I lay it down so I can take it back up again. I laid it down, John 10, 15. In verse 17, 1 John three sixteen, His death was not the consequence of any sin himself, but He was made sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that, that He might make us something. He paid the ransom for many. From the cross He cried, it is finished, it's accomplished, it's accomplished in full. He gave up His Spirit to the Father. Nobody took his life. He gave it. Jesus lived the life God intended to die a death no, man, no other man could die. He died the death that death had no right to. And in dying that death... Here's the third point. He lived the life God intended so that death could not hold him. Romans 1, 4. Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection destroyed the authority of death. It destroyed the one who had the authority of death. The word destroy doesn't mean to annihilate. It means he rendered him inoperative. He took away the devil's authority over death. The one perfect representative man. The God-man voluntarily submitted himself to the power of the satanic death dealer. And in his death, he severed the right, the authority, and the power of personified sin and death to control mankind. We no longer can say, the devil makes me do it. That authority has been broken. 1 John 3, 8 says, The Son of Man appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Colossians 2.15 says that in the cross, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. On the third day, Jesus rose victorious out of the grave so that he could give his life to all who would believe and receive him. You say, preacher, we know that. Everybody knows that's who Christ is. No, they don't. 
His name is still used as cuss words. He, the Son of God, is still refused, abused, and laughed at by tragically confused humanity. Something is terribly wrong in man and we don't even know it. John 1, 11 in the Amplified says, Jesus came to, his own, to that which belonged to him, to his own, his domain, his creation, his things, his world. And they who were his own did not receive him and did not welcome him. Here's the lie that we still think. Oh, I can just choose God anytime I want to. Everybody knows Christ. I, one of these days, I'll decide. And the other side of it is, I don't believe any of it. Why would I believe? How could a man who lived 2,000 years ago be anything to me? Don't think that if the world just heard it, they'd receive it. It takes a revelation of the Christ to transform a man. If man could have figured it out by information, listen to me, that's where religion comes from. Religion comes from man trying to make his own explanations and calling it God. And if you really search religion all the way back, you'll find out that really it's about man. It's not about God. Well, preacher... No, no, listen, the great tragedy is that the people who crucified Jesus ought to have known better. But he didn't fit. He didn't fit. Let me tell you, Jesus doesn't really fit. We want to go to heaven when we die. But let me tell you, Jesus doesn't save you to go to heaven. He saves you to transform your life here on earth. You've got to hear this. Do you really want a Lord and Master, a Transformer, or do you want things your way? You see, I want a helper. I want God to help me out. Here's what I want you to see. is Man is still hell-bent on casting Jesus out of our world. Just watch the news. It's a frightening thought. And what did Jesus and what is what did Jesus do when they were hell bent on killing him? He took it. He took all the rejection. He took all the confusion. He took the hatred, the bigotry, the idolatry. He took it all upon himself. And he took it. And he nailed it to a tree. And he wiped out all of the handwriting that was written against us. Nailed it to a tree. You were worth it. He still takes it. He still takes it. All of it.
person takes out of the way. And more. Okay, I told you I'd end with it. First Timothy 3.16. Without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. I don't want you to miss this. The word literally is he was taken up, received up in glory. Now, most, most of the time when I read that, here's what I heard. He was taken up into glory. What I heard in that was that on the 40th day after this, Jesus was, uh, the resurrected Jesus. Uh, my mic keeps quitting. He ascended back into heaven. That's what we think. That's not what this verse says. He was taken up in glory. He was taken into heaven in glory. What Jesus did, and I want you to see this. Jesus was fully God. Here's the revelation of the Christ. He was fully God and he was fully man. He died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. When he came out of the tomb, he came out of the tomb physically. He came out of the tomb fully man. Right? Wasn't a body left there, right? He didn't come out as God, though he was. He come out in a glorified humanity. When he ascended, he took humanity into the very throne room of the Godhead and we are included there. The man took mankind into the throne room and now we are invited to be in the communion of the Godhead Himself. And He has included us. Now we are seated with Him in the heavenlies. Woo! There's a man in heaven. Stephen, when they were throwing stones because of his testimony... Of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I looked into heaven and I saw Jesus. Now listen to me. Stephen had seen Jesus. And now he sees the same Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Or the right hand of the throne. The Christ, here's the mystery of the Christ. He took He became man in order that he might include mankind in the reality of the relationship of God. Here's the good news. You're invited. Anyone, whosoever will. But we in... Our world are so confused that we make salvation about not going to hell. About sin being forgiven. Jesus made it about being included. He wipes all your sins away because that can't go there. The revelation and the mystery of the Christ is that Christ became one with us that we might become one with Him.
Now, he sees us in Christ, and Christ comes to be in us, included to whoever believes. And you believe by revelation. You don't believe by information. John one twelve, you know he came, but as many as received him, that's verse twelve. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not because you were born an American, nor of the will of the flesh, not because you had the desire to, nor of the will of man, you didn't figure it out. You were born of God, born out of God, from above. Here's the mystery of Christ, mystery of the Christ. He, being God, came to be born a man that we men might come to be born of God. He opened the way for you to be included. How? By believing in Him. Jesus came to reveal the Father God and bring you into a real relationship with them. Do you see it? See what hasn't been seen. Receive it. It'll change your life. Bob George in a book called Classic Christianity, tells a story. As a pastor one night, he was jolted from his sleep by the phone ringing, and it was his neighbor, and they said, it's Stan. Now, he's drunk again. Can you come over and talk to him? So he climbs out of bed. He got, got dressed and started to his neighbor's house, Stan again. What would I say to him that I'd... If there's any different than what I've said to him every other time... His wife has called and told me he's drunk. Bob had led Stan to the Lord, and he's 65 years years old. He's been an alcoholic since he was in his college days. He had always been open to Jesus, his forgiveness, to Jesus' forgiveness and a new way of life. He had even walked an aisle. He had even professed Jesus, professed his faith in Christ. But you see, nothing changed in his behavior. The drinking continued with all the degrading results. Stan's wife opened the door when he got there. Mal, thank you. Gesturing to the living room. And Stan was sitting in the chair in his drunken condition. Bob sat down and began to cover the same territory that he had discussed many times before. And suddenly, without Bob even thinking about it, he asked Stan a question that he had never asked before. Stan, when you accepted Christ, which Jesus did you believe in? Stan looked up. Bloodshot eyes. says, what do you mean? Did you believe in a man named Jesus of Nazareth who lived 2,000 years ago, that historical man who performed miracles, made the blind to see, the deaf to hear, and eventually died on a cross? In other words, 
understand? Did you accept the historical Jesus or did you accept Jesus Christ, the God who became a man, who was raised from the dead, he who is Lord and is alive today? The Jesus who offers to come to live inside of you and to include you in him and give his very life to you. Stan's eyes got a little big and he cleared up a little bit. He said, I received that Jesus who was a man 2,000 years ago. He said, Stan, are you willing to put your full trust in the living Jesus who is himself life? Who has the power to change you inside out? Stan said, yes. They prayed together. And in his half-drunken state, he called out to the living Christ. Stan was freed that night. That didn't mean that his problems went away instantly. His drinking had cost him his job, and he wasn't immediately received initially by other people or neighbors or anybody else. But Stan kept trusting this living Jesus. Bob says five years later, he sees Stan. He's 70 years old now. And said he was standing straight and tall. Stan was not only restored spiritually, but he had become the owner of a thriving business. Jesus had transformed an insecure, fearful, angry man into a firm, clear-eyed, peaceful, happy man. The difference was a Jesus of history and a Jesus who included Stan. Let me ask you, when you believed in Jesus, did you believe in a Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago that did the miracles, died on the cross, and rose from the grave for you? Or did you believe in the living Lord Jesus who is himself life, who included you when he ascended to the Father? Now you're in him and he's in you. You don't have any excuse anymore. You can't say, yeah, but. No. He is Lord. He's in me. That's the mystery of the Christ. Bow with me in prayer. Father, I pray you would open our eyes to see the Christ, the Son of the living God, that flesh and blood doesn't reveal. Books can't. But it's you. I trust you this morning, Lord Jesus, who are yourself the Christ, who's included us, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. I trust you this morning. Open eyes. When we see, we believe. Turn our heart towards you, Lord. Take away our excuses. Show us who we are in you. We trust you this morning. Reveal yourself in Jesus' name. You stand together with me. We have on either side of our worship center here an opportunity for you to receive prayer. We have ministry teams available. 
they would love to pray with you and ask God to give you the revelation of the Christ. And the Christ who lives has conquered everything that you think has conquered you. They'd love to pray with you about those things. Whatever you need this morning, He's the answer for. Trust Him. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.